Life, politics, parenting, and navigating the daily chaos. It's time for Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to season three of Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. I am so glad to be back for this new season and thank you all for joining us once again and welcome to any new listeners we may have to the podcast. And uh, man, a lot has happened in uh, just the, the, the short weeks that we have been away from each other. And uh, of course, as you know, I'm here in Texas. I, I'm sorry to say that today it's very rainy in Texas, but I mean, maybe that's good. We we need rain every once in a while, but um, it's rainy and I my plants need that. So I guess that's good. I actually have like plants growing this year, which is a, that never happens. I I do not have a green thumb, but I'm trying to I'm trying to get there. I'm not very good with plants. I kill plants and I I bring them home. Every time I every time I get a plant, um I have very good intentions with the plant and I think that's what matters is my heart's in the right place. And so I bring a plant home and Doug's like, "Oh, poor plant," because he knows that this is where plants go to die. However, this year I've done a really good job. I got some pretty pods and my plants, I've only killed one so far and all the other ones are growing really beautifully and I'm pretty pumped about it. So they, they needed the rain. So that's good. But anyway, yeah, so we've had, you know, we've had a a lot of things happen over the past few weeks. Of course, I am in Texas. We had the heartbeat bill pass um, in Texas, which I mean, yeah, we expect that to go to the courts. We'll see what will happen there. We had a, a, a trigger ban pass uh, in Texas. So, you know, uh, when when uh, Roe is overturned or or uh, challenged or whatever happens and, and the powers go back to the state, uh, then abortion will be illegal in the state of Texas. A sim- similar thing happened in Louisiana and few other states have similar laws on the books. Um, and then I, I woke up this morning and I saw that uh, Idaho has banned, I guess, I don't know if it's just, I, I, I haven't read the bill, but I saw that Idaho has banned, I guess, abortion providers are people that have, you know, contracts with abortion providers or some, some, language like that uh, from coming in and teaching sex education to their students in Idaho school districts. And so on that note, I want to bring in our guest today, and she is a fan favorite on Politely Rude. And so Monica Klein is our guest today. Welcome back, Monica, to Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. No way that I'm a fan favorite. That that is cool. That is very very cool. <laughs> you are a fan favorite. <laughs> oh, that's so great. People people love having you on. Oh, well, I'm glad to be on. It's always fun to do this with you. You you saw this come through 
um, as well. This this Idaho, whatever it is, this ban, I guess, abortion providers not being allowed to come in and teach teach sex ed. And, you know, here's the thing. We don't I mean, we don't want abortion providers, you know, coming in and, and teaching sex ed to. To kids, but the reality is that we really want pretty limited sex ed being taught. Period. Right? I mean, that's sort of one of one of the problems that's taking place in schools today is that the sex ed that's being taught is is really pornographic. Absolutely, absolutely, it is very pornographic, and really, it's it's. It is created to sexualize children. So comprehensive sexuality education, which was essentially somewhat banned in Idaho. So the 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 I haven't read the bill either, but from what I've seen so far, they have been able to, and we did this in Texas as well, is that government entities are not able to pay abortion providers for services or education. And, and it's word, worded in such a way that a public school, which is a government entity, can then not go into a contract with, with an abortion provider, which would mean that nothing from that abortion provider, like Planned Parenthood, can come into the school. So any comprehensive sexuality education that was created by Planned Parenthood cannot then be used in a public school. And that's awesome. It also means that they wouldn't be able to, I, I'm thinking uh, that they wouldn't be able to provide services in a school-based health clinic, you know, or they just can't come in and do any any of those things. Um, what? And I, I champion that. I'm like super excited. That is wonderful. Texas has done that. Idaho now has done that. Um, but what I want parents to know, Abby, though, is that it's not just Planned Parenthood that's providing comprehensive sexuality education. There are many nonprofit organizations that are providing this kind of education. Uh, so they're not being limited by that bill. So parents still need to be involved in their school, go into school board meetings, um, whichever is the committee in their school district that makes decisions on health education, parents need to be a part of that. And not just that, they also need to uh, have their sites on their state's education association. So in Texas, Abby, you and I have the Texas Education Association, the TEA, and they create education standards for all public schools in our state. So figure out what that is in your state. And so that means that those standards, if they change those standards to accept abortion, if they change those standards to accept comprehensive sexuality education, then those education standards coming from the state association will be implemented into the public school and will be in their textbooks, will be part of their classes, everything. It'll be part of the culture. And that's one of the other ways that these comprehensive sexuality education activists are wanting to get this information given to the children. So if they can't get it in through a third party, then they're going to try to get it in through state legislation. And if that doesn't work, then they're going to go straight to the association, your state as association for education and, and put it into the actual education standards. Um, and so those are all, and, and not just that, they're also now, especially with our current administration, they're going to try to make this a federal mandate where this is just what, you know, it's, a, it's a public health message that they want to promote everywhere. So it's a very aggressive move 
Um, and it has been an aggressive move. You know, they've been planning this and, and laying the, the groundwork for this for decades. And, and they're making a lot of headway. But people, they don't seem to understand. And I want parents to be encouraged. That that's why I created It Takes a Family, because the one institution that these comprehensive sexuality activists, abortion activists are afraid of our parents because parents are key in protecting their children and our voices will be stronger and more powerful than theirs. Uh, but we have to actually speak. We actually have to be at those meetings. Uh, we have to put action in our voting or we need to be running for office as well. So, but I applaud Idaho for doing this. Uh, I'm glad Texas has it as well. We, we were able to stop Planned Parenthood from coming into our schools. Um, but many of our districts, which is why I want to warn parents, have created their own comprehensive sexuality education programs and are implementing them in the schools uh, without the name of Planned Parenthood. So this education still comes into our schools. And Abby, you mentioned something earlier about how it's pornographic. And so this type of education is set up to groom children for sexual activity. And that sounds like, wow, why would anyone want to do this? That sounds really evil. Well, in the minds of these sex education activists, the way they see it, they believe in this philosophy or this ideology that children are sexual from birth and that they have rights to express themselves sexually at any age. They call it sex positivity. They think this is a good thing. And really, it's the bad people who are trying to restrain children from being who they are, because this is what these activists believe are the ones that are oppressing these children. And so they have this foundational ideology that makes them believe that children are already sexual and why hold them back? It's, it would, it's unhealthy, they think, to hold back these children. Hence is why you're seeing this kind of education in the schools and even starting as young as preschool. Um, so this, again, is a very uh, aggressive attempt to undermine family undermine, um, you know, traditional values in the nuclear family. This is why we're seeing that parent, that they're trying to force this on the public schools, even though they know parents don't want it, um, because they're, they're going to try to force this on children and change the culture through the children so that it doesn't really matter what Abby says or Monica says or any parent says, because as long as the children are molded into believing their ideology, then they will be able to change the laws in the future as well. So it's, it is pretty evil. <laughs> it's pretty evil, their approach to that. And it is, it's, it's pornographic because they don't believe that any of their teaching is unhealthy. They believe that sexuality should be expressed throughout the lifetime. Yeah. Uh, and, and the way they look at it, that this is all very positive. But Abby, you may have already seen this. They're going as far as normalizing child sexual abuse. They're normalizing incest. Uh, they're normalizing bestiality. And they're doing this not just through comprehensive sex education. They're, we see this in California a lot. We're seeing it in the, you know, they're teaching about um, incest or adult uh, child sex in history class. And they say uh, a California staffer from one of the schools says, it, it, we're not teaching pedophilia, we're teaching Roman history. You know, so they're normalizing it. They're calling it history. They're calling it good. Um, and, and, 
And what we're also seeing is that many of these ideologies, this belief system is being taught through the literature that the schools are bringing into the schools. Um, So we see this in Leander ISD here in Texas that the parents discovered that the pornography were actually in the books, in the recommended reading list that teachers were giving the children. And Abby, I don't know if you've been following or listening to some of my podcasts, but it was horrific. Mm -hmm. What was, I mean, it was literally, this isn't someone saying, oh, I saw something or I read a little something that seemed a little bit overly romantic. No, we're talking about incest, sexual abuse, rape. It was so inappropriate that I would even question why an adult would want to read it. And the, the amazing thing is that in Leander ISD, we had a huge, huge group of parents who came together and have fought it consistently. They have been harassed. They have received hate mail. They have been filmed. They have been stalked, all for protecting children. Some of them are actually leaving the district, moving away because people have stalked them because they're trying to protect their children in the schools. I mean, it is really crazy. And even though they've been so professional and have done such a great job, do you know that those books are still at Leander ISD? the board has yet to remove them even even after everything that they've done um so it it's getting um the war is is there well you know over and over again you know you've said it i've said it so many of us have said the culture is coming for our children and it is our job to stand in the way And no matter what that looks like, right? I mean, whether it's, it's, you know, us as, as, you know, parents being attacked, being stalked, being, you know, harassed, whatever, we have to do what it takes to stand in the way of culture coming after our children. And, and I, I, you know, I did follow that, um, what was going on in Leander ISD. And there are, you know, and that was, that was older children. That was books for older children. But there are books that are being read to uh, kindergartners. I was just talking to a friend the other day, and she said that there was a book in a kindergarten classroom uh, one of the reasons that she decided to pull her children out of public school was because there was a book in uh, her son's kindergarten classroom that basically said, uh, it's fine if boys want to wear dresses too, that dresses are for boys and girls. And this was, you know, in an elementary kindergarten classroom. Society is coming for our kids. This this is how they have always come to change culture is coming for our children. And we see that in, you know, the school system now allowing, you know, little boys to say that they're little girls in the classrooms and the school permitting it, accepting it, not just accepting it, pushing for it, right? Escalating this uh, this, this, these mental health disorders, you know, school systems allowing uh, history to be rewritten 
through this, you know, Project 1619. Um, that's now being, you know, now we're talking about that being funded through, uh, you know, the government. Uh, critical race theory now, we're talking about that being government funded. All of this is an attack on our children. So if you are born a certain way, you were born incorrectly, right? So now we're attacking our children. If you were born white, that was wrong. If you were born a certain gender, that was possibly wrong. Um, our children are constantly on the attack. And parents, you need to hear me when I'm saying this. You need to hear Monica when she's saying this. It is your job to stand in the way of culture today. It is your job to stand in the way of society. So whatever society is trying to hurl at your children, you are to be the shield for your child, no matter what it takes, no matter what that looks like, no matter what you know, daggers and arrows are thrown, those daggers and arrows need to be hitting you, not your children. And, and we see this happening in, in every aspect of, of our society today, whether it's, you know, schools, whether it's music, whether it's social media, what we have to be on guard and we have to be protecting our children because they are coming for them. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm sounding like, okay, this is like the boogeyman, but it really is because this is, this is where they attack us. They attack us with our children. And, and now, you know, we, we've been talking about, I've been, I know that you and I have both been talking about this, the dangerous, uh, you know, hormone transitioning that's, that's been going on at Planned Parenthood and, and other clinics. Now they're allowing young children to get these hormone transitioning drugs without parents even knowing about it. Um, you know, and of course that's being federally funded. Um, that's happening during school time when your children are supposed to be in school. They're at Planned Parenthood getting, you know, transitioning drugs. I mean, guys, this is happening under our noses. Got, parents have got to be aware. Absolutely. And our awareness, you know, one of the things what you, when you were talking about how we have to stand in the way between our children and and whomever is trying to attack our children is so important as parents. And I think one of the reasons that either parents or even church leaders or politicians, I don't know, different people, you know, don't do it is because this fear of being attacked. And I had a pastor some months ago mentioned to me, you know, I was presenting about comprehensive sexuality education and the gender issues and everything that's going on and how to protect our children. And he, and his response was, well, I don't feel like I'm called to a, a, a ministry of controversy. And I've heard that from a lot of people of the faith is that they don't want to feel, they don't want to be attacked. They don't want to be involved in something that's controversial. Uh, they began to talk about how we already, you know, the, the pastors are saying, well, we already have a target on our heads because we're pastors. So already they're going to they're going to attack us. Or if we're men, they're going to attack us. If we're people of faith, they're going to attack us. We have this big target. And I said, okay, let, let's, 
let's look at this from a different perspective here. The truth is, is that from the place that, Abby, you and I have come from, we both know that they're not trying. The target is not on the the foreheads of adults or the pastors. Their target is zeroed in on children. So as a pastor, as an adult, as a parent, know that your responsibility Mm -hmm. is to stand in the way of that target on children are most vulnerable and you were to absorb every arrow that is shot meant for that child and we are to absorb that. And the great thing is, is that we have the shield of faith as Christians, that we don't have to absorb that arrow because we're going to deflect them, <laughs> you know, but we have to have courage and that courage doesn't come from ourselves. It's going to come from Christ. We are in the right and the science is on our side, just like the science is on our side with abortion. The science is on our side about sex, which is male and female. The, the, all of the science is on our side. It's just that the other side wants to live in a subjective relativistic world that says none of this can be defined and we're not going to allow children to know truth. We're just going to lead them into fragmentation of their minds, disordered minds. You know, one little girl, she came home and told her mom that she was being taught this gender ideology that she may not actually be a little girl. And the mom was, was very calm about the whole thing. And she asked her very simply, how did that make you feel when you heard that? And the little girl's response was, it made me feel like two plus two isn't four anymore. She was just a little girl in elementary school. All she knew were basics of, you know, basics of addition and subtraction, but she felt two plus two isn't four anymore. And that was so profound because what that little girl is saying is I cannot trust even the simplest of truths if I'm not actually who I thought I was. This is the mental manipulation and abuse of children. And, you know, and I've been praying too, is why are parents Mm -hmm. falling for it? Why am I seeing parents actually saying, my boy is not a boy, he's actually a girl, or my girl is not a girl, she's actually a a boy. I'm, uh, you know, I've been praying to God, like, how do we get to those parents? Because they've been deceived as well. There is a problem there. Um, You know, so... So what can we do? What can we do? Number one, we take care of our home. We take care of the children in our home and we teach them truth. We teach them the truth in the word of God and we teach them scientific truth. And and to know and to really emphasize to them how important it is for them to understand that mom and dad, that the parent will always give them truth and that they can rely on the truth coming from mom and dad and that the world may tell them something completely different, but to know that the truth is coming from mom and dad, you know, and we need to make sure that our, that we have this good heart connection with our children. That means we have to be relational with them. This weekend, I had a wonderful weekend with my husband, just going to church and then going to several restaurants and just having a good time and relaxing. And every time, I've been in a restaurant, I see even toddlers at a table with family, whether it's grandpa and dad or the whole family, and they've got headphones on and they're staring at an iPad. Those children have will not have any memories of spending time with their family because they've been stuck to an iPad mm-hmm. the whole time. That child is not learning self-control because they're stuck in front of an iPad. The, the, the basic 
human relationships and self-control are not being taught to our children because we're putting them in front of technology and putting headphones on their heads so that we can have our adult conversations. We need to stop that. We need a heart a relationship with our children. We need to have a real relationship with our children. Know that your child has no one else in this world but you. That is the way I, I thought about with my son when when we became single and it was just my son and I. I'm his everything. How could I possibly just give him a television or an iPad? He needs a heart connection. And so I was so committed to that. And But that whether you're a single parent or your whole family is together or a blended family, those children, you are their care t- caregivers. You are the stewards over them. They need you and they need relationship with you. Number two, teach them truth. Teach them truth in science. Teach them truth of your faith consistently as you go by the way, as you lay down, as you walk along the way, as you get up and as you eat in your home, share truth with them. Um, Another thing is having conversations with your children. Be curious about who they are. Ask them questions. Be interested in what they're interested in. Make sure that you're making opportunities for growth. Questions from our children are opportunities for growth. It's okay if they say, you know, it's okay if they come and say, oh, I heard that boys are really not boys. You know, make that an opportunity. Don't freak out. Don't get angry. Just say, okay, let's talk about that. And then share them, share truth with them. Everything that they say, every question that they have is an opportunity to lead them to truth and to strengthen them in that. When it comes to the culture as a family, if you're actually spending time together and not all isolated with your technology, we can be countercultural as a family. Um, and there's safety in that. When a child knows that mom and dad have their back and being countercultural, they are more likely to be countercultural. So they will uh, be faithful to what you teach them. Um, and then as a calling, just with each other as a family, what are you doing together to not only serve one another, serve the other people in your family, but serving your neighbors, serving people in the community in different unique ways um, is really important. And kids love that. They love telling stories about how they dropped off cookies at so-and-so's house because they've been sick or, you know, it makes them feel good. So it can be something as small as that. Um, But it's so important that in order to overcome many of the things that we're seeing in our culture today is basically to strengthen the institution of your very own family in your own home. And when you can lead effectively in home, then you can lead effectively in your school districts, you can lead effectively on the state level, and you can help lead effectively with your votes or by running for office or on the federal government. And so your children get to see you leading at home and in the community, and that is role modeling to them. But I think number one, I think one of the things that is really hurting children and Abby, one of the consistently parents who have children who have gender dysphoria, especially rapid onset gender dysphoria, have all said that there's a common, uh, something that they all have in common. All They admitted that those children spent unusual amounts of time on the internet, looking at Tumblr, looking at YouTube. They spent so much time on technology instead of their families and instead of with human connection. And they were basically conned into believing these, you know, into getting into gender dysphoria. And so my question to those parents is, why did you allow that? And many of them admitted that it's when school was out and they allowed them to be on technology for a whole summer. 
So, you know, that is a, they are learning from technology. They're learning from social media instead of learning from their family. Um, so I'm not trying, Abby, I hope I didn't come off as, as, you know, getting mad at parents or anything. Cause we, I know I've done it too. You know, we, we, we watch television or whatever it may be. It's not a bad thing. It's just finding that balance. We need to find balance that we can still be involved in technology and in media but we need to find that balance, ensuring that it's our beliefs and our truth that we're not just our truth, but that truth is being taught to our children and that we're not allowing the culture to teach our children. Well, you know, everybody that listens to the show knows that uh, I'm a, a, you know, advocate of locking down your kids' phones and not giving them access to things like YouTube. You know, if parents haven't watched the show called uh it was a like a documentary that came out called the social dilemma you should watch it because it basically shows that you know once your kid if your kid is struggling in their mind with gender dysphoria or anything even like it and they go on youtube and they watch something if they if they put on youtube something um, you know, I, they're a girl and they, your daughter goes on and she says, you know, I feel like a boy and, and she, there is a video is going to pull up. And then the only other videos that are going to pull up for her are going to be videos similar to that. They engineer it this way. Okay. And then when she goes on her Facebook, those are going to be the same videos that pull up this, this artificial intelligence that's taken over all of the social media it's completely out of control. And that's all she's going to start seeing then in her feeds, on her YouTube, on her social media. And she's going to start saying to herself, well, all these things resonate with me. So maybe I am a boy. You know, this girl that was talking about it that now transitioned to a boy, she, you know, gosh, she made sense to me. All of this is so engineered. It is engineered so specifically to target young people. And they do it. It's so deceptive, but they do it in a way that is manipulative and it's sneaky. And if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, I mean, people should watch it. It, it is terrifying to see what they are doing to young people this day and age through social media and through content on YouTube, the way that those two things partner together and the way that they pop up ads and they, they pop up different videos and they pop up different friendships even. Um, it's, it's really amazing. They'll pop up groups, you know, uh, transgender groups that they may want to join uh, different friendships that they may want to be fr people they may want to be friends with who maybe are in those transgender groups, people that that, you know, maybe have similar interests that are transgender guys. It is crazy. And then all of a sudden, your sweet little girl who was just wearing dresses and putting makeup on two weeks ago now all of a sudden identifies as a boy. And it happened through social engineering, through YouTube and social media. And it happens so quickly. So, I mean, like I said, everybody who listens on this show knows that I believe 
that parents have a responsibility. Every parent has a responsibility to pay attention to what your children are looking at online. You have a responsibility to lock down your children's phones. Your children do not have a right to download apps on their phone. They do not have a right to be on Facebook or social media. They do not have a right to have unfettered access to YouTube. They don't have a right to a cell phone, okay? All of those things are privileges that you as a parent grant them. They don't have a right to privacy on that phone. They don't have a right to privacy on their email, on their computer. You have to be protecting your children. And I'm a big advocate for Gab Wireless, G-A-B-B Wireless. You can go to gabwireless.com. You buy the phone for a hundred bucks and it doesn't, it doesn't allow your children to download apps. It doesn't allow your children to get on the internet. Your children can get a calculator. They can get a calendar. They can text people and they can make phone calls. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the only thing that children need to be doing. It has a GPS locator on it. Our children have been inundated with too many adult concepts at a young age. And they are making adult decisions. They are being influenced by too many adult ideas and adult opinions. And it is damaging their brains. It's damaging their psyche. We have an incredibly high teenage suicide rate. Our children are cutting themselves. They're self-harming. They're overdosing on prescription medication. Our kids are not ready for the access that we have given them to the outside world. They're not ready for it. They were never ready for it. And parents, it is our responsibility. I will put I will put the responsibility on you. It is our responsibility to protect them from from what we what we have allowed them to to have access to. We have to rein it back in. Your child does not need to be looking at YouTube at all hours of the night. Your child doesn't need to be looking at YouTube at all. Your child does not need to be have a Facebook page when they turn 13 and 14 years old. You have no idea who is who is looking at your child. There are, are perpetrators. There are traffickers. There are people all over. These, these, and you say, not my kid, not my kid, my kid. I've taught my kid about it can happen to any child. Any child can be lured into this. And no matter how safe your child is with social media, this AI technology is luring your child in, whether they like it or not. These ads, these videos, these friendship requests, these groups, it's popping up in your child's face and your child can't stop it. This technology is smarter than you. It's smarter than your child. We have to be the parents and your child may not like it. You know, 
But I can tell you right now, Grace has never had social media. She's 14 years old. She's about to go into high school. She's never had social media. She never. She does not have access to apps on her phone. She's never had access to anything like that. I'm sure she would like to have things like that, but she's never known the difference. I mean, you just have to be the parent. And if you have to cut your kid off from things like that, then you do it because that's what you do as the parent. You protect your children at all cost. You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. You know, Abby, there's a story that I share about a young man who wrote a, a, an article some years back. And this young man was just, you know, and he described himself as just, he was just a normal kid. He was a normal teenage kid. Um, he was sexually assaulted at a public library while his parents were with him in a bathroom. His parents were not in the bathroom, obviously, but it it started, he described how it started. Um, basically, he didn't know what to do about it. He, d- he didn't know how to handle it emotionally. He didn't know what to do. He was confused about what happened. He was confused about how his body reacted to the assault. He was very, very confused. Uh, and that's very common, obviously. You know, obviously, our bodies react in certain ways. And and so then a victim starts to think, well, why did my body react that way if, if this was wrong? You know, so so this young man was so confused. And he got caught up in, you know, he had a computer in his room. And he admitted he started seeking things out on the Internet watching pornography, adult men were contacting him. And he said, and it just, this is what really solidified, you know, my, I'm like you, Abby. I'm like, my parents taught me there is no privacy. We're a family, (laughs) you know, and it was their way to protect me. You know, it wasn't about being, you know, intruding on me. They gave me the privacy that I needed that was normal for getting dressed and things like that. But they were the people who were meant to protect me. So this young man, um, he admitted that as he sat in front of his computer in his room by himself doing these things, and he hated himself for doing it. He hated it. He knew it was hurting him. But he admitted that at that age, he didn't know how to stop it. And his one wish in front of his computer was that he wished his father would walk in and catch him and make it stop. And that still makes me want to cry. He wanted that. He didn't know how to ask for it. He didn't know how to make it stop, but he wished his parent would have broken that privacy rule, gone in, caught him, and protected him, and made it all stop. Because our children are not adults. They don't know what is best for them. They can't regulate their emotions. They are naturally curious, but at the same time, this no, they know it's making them feel bad, but they don't know how to stop it, and they need you, mom and dad, to do it for them. This is why it's important that you go in 
and make sure that they're that they're okay. Number one, uh, there shouldn't be a computer in a child's room. Everything should be in public. You should be able to see everything that they're doing. I'm in agreement with Abby. No, none of those apps. As soon as I opened TikTok out of curiosity, I was bombarded with a bunch of highly sexualized images. And I didn't even have a, a sign in. I, they knew nothing about me. I just opened it. So I'm really surprised to see a lot of moms on TikTok and doing stuff on TikTok with their kids because a lot of bad stuff is on TikTok. (laughs) Like, why are you even bothering with that? It is not, uh, we need to think about the basics. What do our children need? They need food. They need shelter. They need us to protect them. They need their family. They don't need in order to live. They need relationship. They don't need an app. They don't need a phone. They don't need online video games that connects them to people all over the world. Um, They really don't need those things. And much of, I think, the problem that we're seeing, uh, the mental health problems that we're seeing with kids and even adults come, and we see research about this, a lot of it is if we could have human connection, healthy human connections, friendships, family, a, a support system, much of what people are going through can get, will begin to lessen if we have the support that we need. Human relationship is so important. Technology is not. We can use it as a tool, but we're not using it as a tool. We're, we're using it to replace relationship. Uh, Planned Parenthood has an app called Roo. They, it, they're replacing the parent. They're re- even replacing a clinician by saying, go and ask whatever sex question you want on Rue and you will get all kinds of answers, you know, and, and again, replacing the parent, replacing human connection. This uh, artificial intelligence is replacing humanity. There is a little tiny robot that is the cutest thing I've ever seen called Moxie. And I've done, I think I've done a podcast on this. I, I probably should do another one because they're still selling it. This robot, Abby, Moxie, is literally a emotional regulator for children. They literally put a robot in front of a child so that the robot can talk down their emotions and help them how to regulate their emotions. That is sickening. That child needs a human connection. Do not buy artificial intelligence to do anything that is to replace a human for, and especially with our children. Um, But again, you know, what can parents do today? I give you permission to be a parent. I give you permission to say no to your children. They're going to roll their eyes at you. Good job. See that as as your gold star. They're going to get upset with you. Gold star, mom and dad. You know what is healthiest for your children and you need to put your, your, your foot down and stand on that truth. But it's not enough to just say no. You also need to have what I was talking about before is have that human connection with your children. It's not just relationship and what you do in the house, but are you doing recreational activities with each other? Are y'all going out into the world and doing things with one another? Are you physically active? Are you doing other things other than just sitting at home together? <laughs> you know, we it's, it's important that all of us, adults and the children and as a family unit, that we are active together in life. Um, and that's what our children need. 
when I took video games away from my son, which was literally, he got exposed to video games for one month and then he never saw them again. Years later, my son said, you know, I am so glad I don't play video games. And we asked him, why not? He's like, well, because I know how to ride a motorcycle. I know how to longboard. And he started listing all these different things that he does outside that were really adventurous and fun. He's like, I can't find any of my friends who are willing to do anything fun outside because they're all sitting in front of their computers playing video games. And he was, you know, so he was having a hard time finding people that knew how to do anything. So it's important, though, that our kids are stimulated physically and mentally um, with healthy relationships and not in front of these, uh, you know, what you were talking about with artificial intelligence and, and all of this cultural bombardment um, that really, like I said, if you were to just pick up the transgender resources for parents, you would see right there that the parents said, what started all of this for our kids was spending way too much time on social media. And they were basically groomed into believing that they were the wrong gender. Um, and if that is what it takes to protect our kid, to just get them off of social media, how easy is that? Yeah, it's so easy. So, Okay, so one of the things that that you do, uh, Monica, that I want people to know about and and sort of understand. So I tell people all the time, you know, that as far as I'm concerned, you are you are the expert on sex education in in our schools today. What's what's happening in our in our school system, um, and really an expert on what parents can do, what parents' responses should be. Um, you started an organization called It Takes a Family. Uh, you've been on both sides. You were, you know, a health educator for the state. You were, you know, you worked inside of Planned Parenthood. Now you're on the other side, um, trying to really equip parents and, um, <laughs> now now you're with the good guys, right? Uh, like me. And so anyway, so what you've been able to do now is you want to really help equip parents one-on-one with their children. And so you've started doing these things called uh, table talks. So talk to my listeners. You've got, you know, thousands of people listening here Talk to my listeners about table talks and and what those really are and what it would look like if, you know, if you came and gave a table talk to a group maybe who was listening. Absolutely. Table talks are awesome because they are basically like what it takes a family is about is sitting down at the table with the family and let's talk. And so what a table talk looks like is that someone um, would invite me like Abby. Abby could invite me to her house and she'll invite all of her friends and she'll provide a fun meal. It could be a potluck or it could get catered. And basically all these friends, moms and dads, or single parents, blended families can come together and you'll have an opportunity to speak with me. Um, I'll present about what is comprehensive sexuality really? Because many people think that, well, what's wrong with sex ed? Don't, don't our kids need to know about STDs and things like that? And so really a lot of parents don't understand the sexualization component, or not even component, but that that is really the goal of this kind of sex education. So really, I'm able to dispel a lot of the myths and share a lot of truth about what that education is really like, but also 
what it can be replaced with, not only in your school, but then specifically what you can be doing at home as parents to teach your children this topic, because I believe that it should be the parents that are the primary educators for their children, especially when it comes to sexuality. Because, you know, I'm not, if I teach your kids, I'm not there next month or next year or five years from now, but they, I want to equip you, the parents, so that you are always that go-to person for your kids and that they know that they can trust you to give them truth. Um, So that's what I do is I talk to parents about that. I also talk about what can be done in your schools. How do you figure out what's happening in your schools? What can you do? How do you get a group together to combat comprehensive sex ed in your school if that if it's already there, uh, what to look for. So I can talk about that as well. And then a lot of times parents start to invite me to come back um, and, uh, and do more specific training on talking about the transgender ideology, you know, and, and so I can be, I can come back and, and speak about something very specific. But this is really an opportunity for parents to get the resources and the education that they need to be able to lead in their home on these topics. So instead of freaking out and getting angry and not knowing where to go and you start Googling frantically about what do I do about pornography? How do I talk to my little girl about seeing this video put out by her friend where she was pretending she was having oral sex? I mean, it it gets really, these are some of the questions that I'm getting from parents. And a lot of times the answer is that we need to also teach them what is true and what is right. And when our children know what is true and what is right and what our expectations are of them and and what we really want for them, then even our children are going to be able to discern what is not healthy. Um, And so, you know, and I encourage dads a lot. Um, In the last table talk that I had, I really spoke into the fathers and I was so happy. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. But these dads, their their chest started to puff up and they sat up straight knowing that they could talk about these things, that they could truly lead this conversation. Because I am finding, Abby, that a lot of parents and sometimes even dads are silent because they don't think that they've, they've believed what the culture has told them, which is you're not educated. You're not an expert. You don't know what you're doing. So let Planned Parenthood do it or let someone else do it. And so my goal is to equip those parents so that you, the parent feels so confident in yourself that you now become that leader for your child on these topics. Um, and the truth is, is that children, they already see you as a leader and they're just waiting for you to lead. In all honesty, even if they roll their eyes, it doesn't matter. Our son rolled his eyes all the time. The truth is, is that after having those conversations with him, within an hour, he was snuggling with us. He wanted to spend the whole evening with us. Why? Because we had a heart-to-heart connection with our son and he loved it. He loved it. And I want that for you as well. And it's as simple as scheduling me for a table talk. You can go to ittakesafamily.org to schedule me for a table talk. Um, I can bring resources. If there's something very specific that you and your parents and your community are facing that you want me to focus on, we can talk on the phone and figure that out. And I'll bring to you whatever it is that you're needing. I would love to come into your home or community or church to be able to do that. Yeah, I mean, this is really a great opportunity for people to have Monica come in. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, I I think that she is the leading expert on these issues. 
you have one-on-one time with her, you know, just you and the group of people that you invite, uh, go to ittakesafamily.org. You can communicate with her. There may be something specific going on. I mean, I, I get emails all the time from people, you know, saying, Abby, this is going on with our school. This is going on in our community regarding our school. I just connect those people with Monica. She's the best person to to handle those sorts of questions, those sorts of situations. So, you know, she can come into to your town. She can come into your community, um, to your school district. She can meet with the parents that you know. She can meet with, you know, a church group, whatever it may be, um, and answer those direct questions. She can help you organize you know, it's, you know, having a 14-year-old, it gets complicated, you know, it gets messy, you get weird questions. And um, sometimes you just need to have somebody to, to bounce these things off of. And if you are having these questions, if you are going through these things, if you and your husband, or if you're a single parent and you're going, oh my gosh, you know, my kid asked me this and I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to answer this. Look, you better believe there are a lot of other parents in your friend circle. There are parents in your, you know, church community that are having the same conversations. They're having the same thoughts. So why not come together with people who are like-minded so that you can all, you know, have these similar conversations with an expert on this topic and, uh, you know, bounce ideas off of one another. There's, there's a lot of power in agreement. And there's there's a lot of power in in coming together and um, just being with one another and and you know talking to someone who who knows best how to you know how to have these conversations and and from a Christian perspective. So uh, anyway, so yeah, to to have Monica come in, go to ittakesafamily.org. You can you can contact her directly. And uh, it's always so fun having you on. Uh, Monica, I know we could talk and talk and talk about a lot of things. Um, but thank you so much for for joining me today. And I, I hope that you'll get a lot of emails. And, and look, if you know, if you do have questions for for Monica, uh, please feel free to reach out. She is just a wealth of information on on this topic and, and many topics. So um, please feel free to, to reach out to her. And I know she'd love to connect with, with many of you who are listening. Abby, thank you for the opportunity. Yes, this has been fun. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, and we will talk to you again next week on Politely Rude with Abby Johnson. And you guys be safe. Have a fantastic week. It is, guys, it's like just about time to have a mask burning party. I can feel it in my soul. It's, we're like almost there. So anyway, everybody have a wonderful week. Be safe. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Politely Rude with Abby Johnson on the Edify Podcast Network. Tune in next time for another powerful exploration of life, politics, parenting, and tips for navigating the daily chaos. And for more faith-inspiring podcasts, download the Edify Podcast app on the Apple and Google Play stores or at edify.app.